Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the many songs that we sing of what you've already accomplished on this earth in your first coming. And tonight, we look forward to your soon return. Bless in the preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Isaiah begins his prophecy, he focuses on the spiritual needs of his people. When we come to chapter 7 and go through chapter 12, he deals with the world's political situation, the control of power. That is the focus of attention in our world today. I've had recent conversations with those that know what's going on with China and their government and their economy and the influence of the same in America. Without going into detail, we realize that we are living in the days of the return of Christ. In no way is that a negative thing, but it's a very positive thing to realize that we are close to Christ's return. Isaiah gives four messages in these chapters, chapters 7 through 12. First of all, he gives a message of hope in chapter 7. Chapter 8, he gives a warning of judgment. Chapter 9, he gives a promise of mercy. Chapter 12, he gives a song of salvation. When you read just the two prophecies that we read in our text passages tonight, Isaiah 7 and verse 14, and then you read Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, you realize that all of the prophecies and all of the promises have not yet been fulfilled. There is more to come. In fact, the best is yet to come. There are four parts in the message. First of all, I gave you this morning the gift of his, of his arrival. As we reviewed what's already happened in his first coming. And then I introduced the second part when I said the next thing to happen after the, re, uh, uh, the gift of his arrival is the gift of his acknowledgement. The Bible says every eye shall see him. Now to us he already is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, but to the world he is not those things. Christ is most often a byword. He is a word or a name that is used for self-convenience or for religious purposes. But when he comes, he will be acknowledged by the world, not by choice, but by the power of his presence. For the next time he comes, he will overcome the governments of the world and the government will then be upon his shoulders. Tonight, it is obvious that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work. We see it on every hand. It is almost if the players of the world are reading the Bible and acting out the things that are to happen in the last days. However, when you read of them personally and you know anything about them in detail, you realize they're not acting out the word of God from knowledge. They're living out their behavior because of the influence of the great conspirator Satan himself. Are you with me tonight? 
the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. I believe that the person of the Antichrist may already be upon the earth. There is a need in our world for peace. There is a need in our world for possessions. I know that there are many possessions that we enjoy as far as material things, but everyone knows from what's going on in the world that our economy could, as many say, fall as a house of cards or fall as a house built upon sand at any time. When that happens, they're going to be looking for leadership to bring things back together. When that happens, the Antichrist is going to sit down temporarily on the throne of David and he is going to declare not only that he is God, he is going to pronounce a peace on the earth. There will be a short-lived peace, but it's nothing like the peace that God is going to give. And that, my friend, will be the scene as the Antichrist has introduced peace, but after that, as we see in the development of the tribulation period, war and famine and death. Ah, dear friend, and then Jesus will come again. When he comes, he won't come as a lowly babe in Bethlehem. Ah, but he'll return as a lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will be acknowledged as the person and the king that he is. The first time he came, his names were Emmanuel, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, Messiah. Ah, oh, but when he comes again, he will be known and acknowledged as wonderful. This name, wonderful, means supernatural. It means extraordinary. The name wonderful points out the truth that there is nothing common about Jesus. And all that he does brings wonder to our hearts and to our minds. He is wonderful. He will be known as counselor. The word counselor means to advise, to counsel, to purpose, to devise a plan. It refers to his role as a leader and a guiding force. Today we accept him by choice and we understand as the psalmist made the statement, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Ah, but it won't be just the child of God who by faith and decision and will trust and believes in God, but the world will acknowledge him as wonderful and counselor. But more than that, he will be acknowledged as the mighty God. This means a hero. This means a victor. This phrase refers to one who is strong, but not just strong among men, but the strongest of and above all men. He alone is worthy to be our hero, to be our victor, for he has already defeated our enemies as he has defeated the enemy of death, of sin, of Satan, the grave and eternity, and the world will acknowledge him as the mighty God. They'll also acknowledge him as the everlasting father. He said when Moses asked him, who do I say, who do I tell Pharaoh that sent me to see you? He said, tell him I am that I am. 
Here the Bible says he will be the everlasting father and he will be acknowledged as the great I am. He will be acknowledged as not one equal to the Antichrist but obviously more powerful than the Antichrist himself. Now, he does many of these things now. But those things are interrupted. They're interrupted by heartache and sorrow and Satan and fear and those things. But when he comes again, it will be uninterrupted. He will, in fact, be the prince of peace. The peace of and in government. And verse number 7 tells us so. He is the creator and provider of peace. And those who know him know about his peace. But the world today, they, they don't accept him as the prince of peace. They don't accept his will. But when he comes again, his will will not be one of choice. It will be one of power and statement. I look forward to all of the confusion and the frustration and the division all being taken away as he comes and be acknowledged in the world as the counselor, the mighty God, and the prince of peace. Paul told the church at Philippi this, and I love how this is worded. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. May I say tonight, my heart is blessed by those who have acknowledged him by faith, not by force. I'm thankful tonight that there are folks in church and there's a multitude of folks that are in church tonight or watching the service online and your faith has found a resting place and you by faith trusted in him and he is already your savior and your king and your Lord. Ah, but when he comes again, his acknowledgement will not be the choice of faith. It will be the rule of the day. So we see the gift of his arrival. Then we see the gift of his acknowledgement. But he will not just be acknowledged. He will advance his kingdom. I love this. The Bible says, Isaiah tells us that when the Lord comes, one of the gifts he will give to the world will be his perfect reign as king of kings. Our text verse Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. When Jesus comes back, he will come as a king to rule. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 5, and then we'll go again to chapter 19. Revelation chapter 12. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. 
Go to Revelation chapter 19, if you will. Revelation chapter 19. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 15. Revelation 19, 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress uh, wine of the fierceness of his wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says in verse number 9, the disciples were taught to pray for his kingdom and, they, and it says this, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Just as sure as God rules heaven, just as sure as the seraphims cry, holy, 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 to a just and a righteous God, he will rule and reign on this earth when his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Now, now, let me just say as a side note, some may say this sounds like a fearful time to be raising and rearing a family. Friend, in the will of God, there is no fearful time to rear children to serve and love God. In the days when Hannah prayed for a child, that was a day of darkness. It was a day of debauchery. It was a day when, practically speaking, you would not to want you would not want to rear children in such a terrible day. But Hannah prayed for a child that she may give him to God to serve God, to bring glory and honor to him, to see a revival in the nation of Israel. Dear friend, things are not going to get worse. They're going to get better. If we live for only material things, we're going to be filled with fear. Oh, but if we live for the will of God and the coming of the kingdom of God, Jesus is coming soon and we'll rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years before entering that wonderful eternity with Christ in heaven. I say it's a wonderful time to live. It's a wonderful time to rear our children, not to love the world and self, but to love the will of God, the work of God, and the ways of God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 145. I love these words. Take, turn your Bibles there. I'll give you just a minute. Turn your Bibles there. I, I, I love the prophecy of the Old Testament, even in the Psalms, when it talks about his coming kingdom. Uh, folks get confused today talking about building the kingdom of God. We're not building the kingdom of God. His kingdom is coming. He's going to come. He'll establish his kingdom in uh, a righteous rule. We're working to live and do the work of the local church. That's what's going on right now. There's a lot of confusion. I'll not go into that detail tonight about that kingdom. We're not building a kingdom. We're serving him in a wicked and a rotten world, being a light and salt. That's what the church, that's what the Christian is supposed to be. When he comes, he won't need help building his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign with righteousness and a rod of iron. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 145, verse number 10. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. 
We're not building a kingdom. He's going to establish the kingdom. Jeremiah said it like this, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. You see, one day the Lord Jesus will come and he will occupy the throne of David. He is coming not only as he came in his arrival, he's coming again and he will be acknowledged. Not only will he be acknowledged, he will advance his kingdom. I give you the fourth and final part of the message tonight and that is the gift of his achievement. He's coming to rule in righteousness. Now get a hold of this. This is important. How you and I serve him now is where we will serve him in his coming kingdom. How we surrender, how we serve him by choice of faith is how we'll be chosen to serve him during the millennial reign. We won't have elections during the millennial reign. Christ will appoint the rulers. He is going to appoint rulers and leaders in the nations, in the towns, in the states, in the divisions of the world. He will choose them. Now hear me well. He is not going to choose according to material accomplishment. He is going to choose according to spiritual surrender and service. Listen to me now. He's not going to choose the leadership. And oh, I wish I had time to, I, I want to get back to the message, but I want you to understand this coming ting, kingdom. He's not going to be fooled as men are by others. He is not going to be fooled by a, a, a personality or, or accomplishment. He knows our surrender to him. He knows our service to him. He knows our walk with him. I'm excited about the millennial reign of Christ and eternity. I'll say it again, the best is yet to come. He says in verse number 7, Isaiah tells us that the coming king will rule with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. A simple glimpse at our world today and we understand that our world is politically in a mess. The powers that be, there is none, there are none that say what we need to do is return to the scripture. What we need to do is to return. And those that do, that would run for office, most of them are mocked. Are you with me? We live in a corrupt and a wicked world. It is sad today in America, and I'll not go into the detail of this, but it's sad who is chosen as representatives of the people in our nation that are not necessarily representing the people, but representing an agenda, an agenda that would satisfy the Antichrist. That's the world we live in today. 
We don't live in, and I know there are leaders that are saved men and they desire to do right. I know there are judges that sit on benches that desire to do what is right to do. But as a whole, there is no judgment. There is no equity. There is no justice. And the culture of our nation, it is sad today. It is sad from the cartoons to the movies to the songs to the advertisement. You see the promotion of things that are not just immoral but the things that are unnatural. It's almost as if they read the word of God and anything that's right, they rebel against it. I want to tell you something. I don't just want to be that crowd. I want to be sure to be separated from that crowd. I don't want the crowd that rebels against God and his book. I don't want them to influence me. I want to be separated from that crowd. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels rejoiced that the Christ child would bring peace to the world. Luke chapter 2, verse number 14, they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We know that justice, peace, and perfect judgment have not been delivered yet to the earth, but those things and more are coming. When Jesus comes to rule as king on the earth, the world will be dominated by his peace, his justice, and his perfect judgment. Imagine a world where there is no war, where there is no poverty, where there is no injustice, where there is no religious or racial differences. Imagine a world in which every citizen worships God as God Almighty and bows to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We won't even need CNN. There'll be nothing for them to report. Imagine a world in which every ruling handed down from the throne is perfect and is in the best interest of both God and men. Imagine a world that is marked by perfection and peace and the very presence of God. Imagine a world where there's no poverty, no inequality, no mistreatment of the poor and the weak. Imagine a world in which there is no sickness, no hurting bodies or minds and where death is rare, no crime, no, no con artist, no laziness, no, no laziness rewarded but a world where there is a rule of righteousness, holiness, and peace. You say, I don't believe that. The majority didn't believe when he came the first time. They were wrong. And if you don't decide to believe what God says about his return, you'll be wrong again. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 11. I want to show you what I referenced this morning. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's start at verse number 5 and read through verse number 9. This is what's going to happen on the earth. Not when a Republican or Democrat is the president. Uh, not when a communist is in control in uh, China or Russia. Uh, not when a socialist is in control in Venezuela and other such countries and across Europe. But when God sits on the throne 
and God rules in righteousness. Think about it. He is going to declare peace in the world. And here's what the Bible says. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, Isaiah eleven five, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. Try that, Congress, and see what you can do with that. Try that, Mr. Antichrist, and your magic and your deceptions and your deceiving work. Try that. Only God can do what we're reading right here. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw. Not smaller animals, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. That's the baby, that's the infant. We'll have no fear of that baby being bitten by a poisonous, venomous snake. God's going to show us what real peace is. And the winged child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the world I'm looking for. Sometimes we say, well, I just feel like giving up. This world's a mess. Well, it's not my job to fix the world. He's going to do that. My job is to preach the gospel. My job is to help folks to have the opportunity to put their faith in Christ. Just imagine. We could have the sounding of the trumpet tonight. When that happens, dead in Christ will rise first. We'll meet them in the air. We'll be caught up in the clouds. The Antichrist will rule the world seven years. And then he'll return. What a wonderful thing it is tonight, not only to be a child of God, but to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm thankful for the gifts that have been delivered, <laughs> but there's a lot of gifts haven't yet been delivered, but they're on the way. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to serve you.